0: WestwoodDental.com. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman, Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jamie Rivers, and uh, of course, our buddy Jeff Burton, still fighting his ass off. Hopefully, Jamie, hopefully, the next Last Minute Blues Podcast, we will have Jeff Burton on. Wanted to do it today, but I guess they're nurses that are coming by the house, and so he just wasn't able to like make it happen. And I think dude is tired as heck after being on the morning show a bunch. Yeah,
1: I couldn't believe it. I was driving around this morning, and all of a sudden I hear a buddy Jeff. I'm like, "You son of a! I'm like <laughs> get your ass back on the podcast." It's it's just I didn't feel bad about it either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And so I what think, are you like, doing, dude? I think the thing that's
0: crazy to me is like. At the beginning of this, I said to Jeff a billion times, man, listen, it's just work. Just take care of yourself. Take care of your body. But I didn't really realize how
1: much that I think work helps his mental health as he's going through all of this crap. Uh, it is for sure. You just you could hear him like, you no, know, look, we went and visited him and yeah. you know he did a real good job that day. Listening to him today, I was like, that's a different dude. He was so you know, into it, and he had, you know, Jeff Burton comments that we have loved for so many years. It, I was chuckling, and honestly, the guys too, all of the Rosuto show did a great job of juggling it. We know it's not always easy yeah. when there's not somebody in the studio, uh, but it was awesome, man. It was awesome. I look forward to having him back on with us so bad. I know he has probably so much to say, or at least a lot of questions that yeah. he wants to answered too. Absolutely so, and you know, uh,
0: I, I actually kind of feel bad here, Jamie, because I there's just so much going on, and today I legitimately feel like my head is spinning, and I don't think that I have ever. This is so terrible to say, but I don't think I've ever been less prepared for a podcast in the history of the time in which that we have been doing it. It just. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You prepare. Now don't not see now you're giving people the idea that I'm not a preparer. No, I'm, I I don't prepare for these. I well yeah, but you don't have to. You got the knowledge. Like you've got the the knowledge that we're looking for. I'm just coming up with the dumb questions. You know what I mean? Well, my well, job Donnie. is much 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 easier.
1: Donnie, but, you're, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank okay? you very much. But my head is absolutely. Spinning you know what? Today. Whatever you're being paid right now for this podcast, double it. <laughs> That's how good I, I feel Whoa, about. Oh, we're doing. doubling the zero to double zero. Double zero, baby. Boy, you are Call a very when generous you get guy. To triple zero. <laughs> all right.
0: <laughs> so, Jamie, uh, one thing that I did want to ask you, man, is because, like, so we're getting kind of towards the end of the summer for my kiddos. Yeah, my daughter's already started her band practice and stuff, and you know, my son, it's getting close enough where he's starting to do the countdown to when he's got to go back. Like, uh, as a parent, do you feel like the uh, the Rivers kids are, uh, are are ready for the for this? To get them back in school, or, or what, what do you think? Because I can't wait to get them back in. I'm at that point of the summer.
1: Yeah, um, well, my
0: kids are older,
1: right? Yeah. And like, so they're all kind of, of doing their own yeah, thing most my, of the time anyway. My oldest, she's you know, she's been in school throughout the summer. She does online classes. She wants to be a physician's assistant, so school's like a full time job for her. Good for her, man. She's going back for her last year at Mizzou uh, coming up probably about three weeks from now, and uh, my my twin eighteen year old boys. Well, we're working with them. Mm-hmm. They're graduated. They have graduated this, this past year from high school. So they're they're looking to figure out their lives and mm-hmm. trying to help them there. And then my youngest 13-year-old, she's amped up. She's ready to go back to school. Like, she is a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's like, can't wait to see this person, this person. Although she does see most of her friends, like, on a daily basis already. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. They're older. They kind of do their thing. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I do is provide rides for the youngest to school in the mornings when I can, which is usually about three, four times a week. And yep.
0: That's about it. I'll tell you what. I have been doing most of the transportation to and from band practice in the morning and then the afternoon. What and instrument I, does she play?
1: She plays the baritone.
0: and I, And I think, too, that there's a very good chance that she is going to learn the tuba. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, as That's well, a serious commitment. Which
1: is crazy. You better get in the gym.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> but, what's, but what's so crazy that, I, that I've seen so far is, well, number one, I love it when I get there and the drumline is practicing every single time. Isn't that I, cool? Dude, I just feel like it's a party. And, and there's a parade somewhere near. Mr. Then, Fandango, please put your pants back on. <laughs> but then also, too, what I find so amazing, man, is the commitment. And not just these particular kids, but all of these kids that are doing that are working so hard way before school even starts athletes, musicians, whatever. I find that really fascinating and really awesome for those kids, man. Cause I was not that active in high school at really at all. And so like, I really like, I feel great for those kids and I feel like they're really doing themselves huge favors by doing all this stuff.
1: Now. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, it's something that they're passionate about. And what do you always tell your kids? You know, find something that you're passionate about and and do it mm-hmm. to the maximum of your ability, mm-hmm. now, whatever that ceiling is in whatever category, whether it's football, dance, band, whatever, who cares? Yeah. do it the best you can. So I always look at these things like life lessons, you know, getting you ready for the the real world, yeah, and you know my daughter danced competitively and then she danced for the the, the dance team at her high school, and the, they put in like thirty hours of dance a week and i was like oh my god like my boys played hockey and they would have a couple of practices and they used to think oh they're so tired and i was like you boys don't know anything <laughs> right <laughs> like it's it's kind of eye opening too and i'm sure you know with your youngest she probably puts in hours of practice and it's i this i just think it it creates good habits and for me it just gets them ready for the next step in life it's it's essential dude it's so, and it's so
0: badass now because so my daughter is going to be a freshman in high school and so like now in the morning I just make sure she's up and everything else, you know, she's got all of her stuff ready to down. roll. So I don't have to do anything. It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, oh, it's awesome. And I like it. But then also at the same time, you know how it goes, man. You're like, oh, I remember when you were just a little thing. You man. miss it, right? Yeah. Right now, I know.
1: I end up with those situations now that my kids are all, you know, older. My 13-year-old, um, she acts like she's, you know, 17 or 18, you know, that life's just moving so fast. And then I every now and then I'll have a moment with my youngest where her maturity level or it drops to like back to like 10 years old, something that's a little kid esque, mm-hmm. and I just love it. I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm not changing this. Right. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to correct it. I'm not going to No. I'm going to try and hang on to this as long as I freaking can. Yeah. That's the thing. And and I didn't think that I would be in this place. You, you, as,
0: as You know, it is because like, I love having kiddos, but, you know man those first couple years when they're babies mm. that is hard. I don't I could never ever do that again. But at the same time the further I get away from it the more I'm like wait we don't we don't get to watch SpongeBob SquarePants
1: anymore. That sucks. You're going to start thinking about grandbabies. And I don't mean in the immediate future. Yeah. I'm talking about down the road where you get your fix of you know being that that person who can care for the little baby again, the little kid and you're going to watch them do all this amazing stuff. I too, not hopefully not in the immediate future yeah. for me, but I do look forward to it at some point because I just, I love kids. Dude, I am gonna spoil the be Jesus <laughs> out of my grandkids. You're gonna get the talking too. Oh, Dad, uh, you're gonna need to sit down here for a
0: second. It's completely fine because I've
1: given my parents that talking to, and they continue to ignore me. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> face palm you, right? Talk to the hand, because I am not listening. Right. Or they just nod their head. Okay, son. See, that's what my mom does. She's very polite. <laughs> she listens. She hears me out. And then she goes,
0: hmm, no, I think I'm going to keep doing what we're doing because the kids love it and we love it. Absolutely. All right, Ma. Well, that's just that's just fine. I'm just very stoked. You know, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. Um, they they passed when I was when I was younger, and so I didn't get a lot of grandma or grandpa time. And so my kids have gotten to go on vacations with their with their grandparents. You know, hang out, you know, do the whole thing, and I really love that because they're going to have some of those great freaking
1: memories. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. You know, I um, my dad's parents didn't live very long, um, so I kind of missed out there. But my mom's parents were so active in our lives. They've both passed, obviously quite a while ago, but I had them until, I, I had my grandfather until I was about 12, and then I had my grandmother on that side until I was 23, and she was awesome, man. We called her Wonder Grand. She was amazing. She put up with all of our crap, and she would like. She's the type of grandmother you plop her down at the table while you and your buddies are sitting there having some beers, basically, and she's hanging mm-hmm. and she's telling jokes and getting it and laughing. <laughs> right. You can't phase her. <laughs> right. It's like, what are we doing? And then your buddies are like talking to her like she's part of the group. <laughs> right. I'm like, bro, it's my grandmother. What are you telling that story for?
0: I tell you, my my grandmother. I mean, and and you know, it's not like a surprise. It it happens with life experience and things. But my grandmother had the best way to give me advice. Like, just the most caring way, but also sometimes those poppy upside the head moments where Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, Donnie, like, what are you thinking here? Like, I remember when I was going through my divorce, man, and I was just ripped up. And my, you know, I just sat down at the kitchen table at my grandparents' house, having a talk with my grandma. And my grandmother just kind of, you know, said something that I had, you know, some people have said to me about, why do you want to be with somebody so bad that doesn't want to be with you? And it was just that. It was her saying it at that moment where it just yeah, all sort of clicks in. And it's not like it was super easy after. But no. it certainly gave you... A little boost mentally, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's and they a just voice that, that you're
1: not used to getting that kind of advice from. Yeah. And so it's the same as like you you know, when you try to coach your kids or do something, it's the parents never know anything. Ah, then somebody who is a stranger or another member of the family says the exact same thing and boom, it makes sense. Right. Like, what? What like what? <laughs> right. But it's because it's a different voice and it's something that's unusual coming from that individual. So you sit there, you absorb it, you respect it, and you're like, damn, maybe I need to listen to this. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, she just always had that way, too, of, of you
0: know, like if, if my brother and I were fighting a little bit too much or if I was being mean to my sister or whatever, you know, grandma had those amazing looks as well. that were like, oh, you know what? I don't know what's after that look, but I don't really want to find out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. My grandma used to use the fly swatter, and she didn't, she didn't touch us with it. She'd pick it up. And look at us. And the very first time, she was like, there are no flies around. <laughs> She's like, so figure it out. It's like, okay. Yeah. When she picks that sucker up, I'm going to just whoop, I'm done. Right. We're good. <laughs> I don't need to feel what that's like because of the old metal ones. You know, the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this, yeah. Th- this isn't going to be any of the new
0: founded like plastic light something or the other. No, nope. this, is, this is made to leave a mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It was like a, a bona fide sledgehammer for flies. <laughs> so I think yeah you know, it's been over a week plenty plenty of time has passed since uh uh Matthew kachuk has
1: uh you know has moved on I saw and... Matthew yesterday, did you? yeah, we were doing some skill work out at the rink. him and Brady are on the ice doing some skill work. He looks um different in his Florida Panthers gear. he's yeah. already got all set up there, but uh he, he's in great spirits. He should be. If loved, I were getting paid
0: that much loot, I'd be in good spirits, yeah, too.
1: but, you know, I mean, we always associate it to that, right? But he's he's excited for the opportunity. He loved being in Calgary. I love the Calgary fans. Now, you know, who knows what they think about it all right now. I'm sure they feel jilted. Some feel abandoned mm-hmm. because both of their superstars left in the same offseason. Um, but, you know, he's looking forward to life in Florida. He really is like he's got a house down there. Uh, off the strip in Fort Lauderdale, and he's so excited about it being a golf cart community, to where he can take the golf cart to the practice rink. Oh wow! Yeah, he's like it's got this own little. This whole community is built around everybody. Basically, you park your car, and then everybody uses their golf carts type thing. So the strangest things yeah. make people happy, you know. Boy, and if
0: you are Tampa, and you see them make that, you see Florida make that acquisition boy oh boy maybe that's a changing of the tides in the in the east over there
1: it's going to be interesting for sure you know I still think the Panthers have a lot of work to do the Tampa Bay Lightning are still the big dog in the yard they proved it last year not in the regular season but certainly in the postseason sweeping the Panthers 4-0 in that series I think it was very eye-opening to a lot of people uh, with the Panthers front office I think that's why they were so aggressive in getting Matthew Kachuk it felt like they they recognized that they needed something a little more than mm-hmm. what they had uh, but no he you know, he's excited uh, again i know i've used that word like 3 times but uh, he is he's happy to be a Florida panther he's putting in the work you know twice a week we get on the ice and do a whole bunch of skill stuff and him and his brother just work so hard and this is the one thing like parents come to me up come up to me all the time at the rink and they're like little Johnny and little Susie, we want them to be division one, you know, scholarships. And meanwhile, sometimes the kids are like seven years old, but it's okay. Some of them are, you know, older and, you know, people are, and they say, you know, what do, what do they need to do? And I, I tell them, Hey, look, you need to, on top of going to practice, I would say get at least one extra skill session a week, whether it's with me or somebody else, preferably with me. Um, But let your player really refine their skills, the small things. It doesn't have to be like the crazy, like, work them so hard they pass out. That's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And I say also hard work every time they touch the ice. And the reason I say that is because the Kachuk brothers are two of the hardest working people I've ever coached. And that started when they were like 14 years old. When I first started working with them – I think Matthew was like 13 or 14, and Brady was just a couple of years younger. They were first ones on the ice, last ones to leave you to kick them off. The Zambonis coming on the ice, and they're still trying to flip pucks in the bucket. They still do it. Right. So instead of picking the pucks up at the end of practice, like normal people do. Right. <laughs> they take the bucket, and they line it up, and they take every single puck and gently flip it up into the bucket. So you're, you're talking 70 pucks here. And what it is, it's another small refined motor skill to be able to pick that puck up and gently just plop it into the bucket. Well, they do it until the last puck is picked up. Sometimes those Zamboni like sitting there waiting and they're like, we don't care Right now, especially like, like, hang on buddy. But that's what I, I always impresses me about those two in particular is, is how hard they work, how respectful they are and how much they listen. Yeah. Like still to this day, look at those guys who are stars in the NHL and I pick up things every time we have a set, I pick up something with it. They just improve them just a little bit. And they listen. Yeah. And they, they go hard. And then when you, you know, when you tell them to pick it up, they pick it up or, you know, slow it down. Like, whoa, they listen. It's awesome. So I thought that I was over the Matthew Kachuk thing, but after the last couple of minutes,
0: I've realized that I'm completely not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just and you know so what, do you want to talk about the blues then a
1: little bit, a little bit ordeal?
0: But I, th- but I think the things that you were just describing are the reasons that I wanted him here so bad? Yeah.
1: Well, it, it, he it, sounds a lot like a number ninety right now, who wears a C for us, right?
0: A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Was the deal?
1: Was the deal really Tarasenko, Scandella, and a pick, or was that? Well, look, nobody will ever know, right? Okay, and um, and not that I would discuss openly anything that I knew uh, in talking yeah, I to get, Matthew. Yeah. Anyways, but the deal was just not there to be had, mm-hmm. apparently. And uh, and this is not – I'm not quoting Matthew Kachuk. This is just me and talking to other people in the hockey world. Because quite honestly, Donnie, I don't talk to him about it. Yeah. And last year, Brady was holding out with Ottawa, and he was here still working with me, and people from the Ottawa media were calling me. I'm like, I I got nothing for you. I don't ask him about it. Yeah. And that's probably good. That's probably why they like working with me. I want it to be – Something that he looks forward to yeah. and something that gets them, lets them escape the reality of it all. Absolutely. Right? So, who would I be walking and be like, oh, so what about this? Or what happened here? They'd be like, really, dude? Right. Riv, really? So And you would not be their skills coach no, very much longer after that. It would, it would yeah. get so old. Yeah. So, I, I didn't ask him about it, but I, I think that ultimately the Blues just didn't have the salary cap space to uh, to trade the people. That they won the Calgary Flames wanted. They, I'm sure they wanted Cairo, and I imagine they wanted, like, we just went through with Juan Soto, basically. Mm-hmm. I think that Calgary wanted some players, but not prospects, guys off the roster. Because look at what they did with the Panthers. They took two of their best players, added a minor league guy who's going to be pretty good as well, and then a first round pick. Yeah. So that would be, you know, you'd have to try and equate that to over here. So it'd be Kairou... Pareco, another player, maybe Jake Neighbors, and then a first round. That's a lot. Yeah, man. it sure is. And they couldn't get to that nine and a half million as far as cap space. So I just I just don't think it was a marriage that could happen. Right. That's all. There's not it's not the Blues would certainly have loved to have yeah. put him in a blue note. Matthew Kachuk would have loved to have played here in St. Louis, but when it came down to it and the offers were they were what they were, whatever it came across from other teams and the Blues Um, Matthew decided that Florida was a great opportunity, and he really had Florida at the top of his list.
0: I mean, it makes sense. It's such a fantastic team, and they are on the
1: doorstep. They're right there. So I get that. Would you argue with someone who wants to... You know, spend the next eight years living on the beach? No. In Florida? No, nah, I mean I mean all of those reasons that you list, I mean No as, state income tax. I mean, that's he a, never said that, but I just yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being being me, I'm like, wait, hey, wait, you know how much more money you're making. Okay, so all of that I can understand. I don't like
0: it as a blues fan, but I understand it, I get it, it makes sense to me. I gotta tell you, man. This David Perron thing. I knew you going to go there. I'm, I was actually hoping you are going to go there. And I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to, to, to beat the dead horse here. I understand deals get made. You can only spend so much money. All of those things. But when this weak David Perron still says that he almost can't kind of believe that he's yeah. not a blue. Like, this to me, Jamie, feels like one that we very much might regret.
1: Yeah, I I feel for David because I've been in that situation. Um, You know, maybe not to the extent of him being in St. Louis for so long, but there are a couple of teams where I was very sad to leave. Obviously, leaving St. Louis for the first time was very difficult for me. Um, Leaving the Red Wings when, you know, when I had to ask for a trade because things weren't working out with Mike Babcock, that tore me apart. Yeah. I loved playing there. The fans, the ownership, my teammates, everything. And that was really hard. So for David Perron, you know, to include his kids in there too, where he's like, they all sat at the table and kind of cried and what. It takes you behind the curtain a little bit as to what athletes go through. Yeah, and It's not just athletes, because I know that people lose their jobs. And I'm not disrespecting that because trust me, I, I get it, man. And a lot of people lost their friggin' jobs during the pandemic. A lot of things changed. But for the most part, people don't have to pick up and leave an area and never see certain people again in their yeah. lives. For the most part, I know what happens. The military—I'm sure people go. Like, the military—you're right. The military is very unique, as is pro sports, and so it is tough to pick up everything that you know and leave it. To have your kids who just started school, just start playing hockey, just start getting involved in the community, and and like—it's hard. Yeah, man. It sucks as far as you know the athlete is concerned, and the athlete's family. You can't you cannot forget about the wife, the kids, and all the other stuff. So it, it was very it was a hard read. Uh, and Jeremy Rutherford, by the way, does an incredible job over at The Athletic. If, yeah. if you're not subscribed, please do so. JR is awesome. I mean, if it's literally just for the Blues content alone, yeah, it's worth it. And he has some other great stuff, and he he recycles some of the stuff that uh, the other writers yeah. put from other areas, maybe teams we're going to play against. Either way, it's not a whole sales pitch, but yeah, you're missing out if you're not subscribed to The Athletic. Um, you, you know, when you dive into it, it's tough. It's tough. But the more I think about it, Donnie, the more I feel like the Blues had to cut bait with someone. Mm-hmm. And now people are like, why was it Perron then? Well, he makes $4.7 in Detroit. Would he have taken a $4 million contract from the Blues? I don't know. I don't know. Was he offered a $4 million contract from the Blues before last season started? Yes, mm-hmm. he was. Now, there is some discrepancy whether it was a two-year deal or a one-year deal. And uh, David didn't really comment about that in the in the athletic article because I think Army, the Blues, have said it was a two year offer, and David said well, I was believed it was one year. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, he said, she said. I'm not getting in the middle of that. Yeah. My dad told me a long time ago, the peacekeeper always gets punched in the face. So <laughs> my name is Paul. This yeah. issues is between y'all. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so, but that offer never being revisited. I think tells us a couple things um, that the blues weren't comfortable or able to move some salary cap around. They desperately needed to lock up a defenseman though. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is where you kind of have to take your, your David Perron Jersey off for a second because I love David Perron. I've known him since he got here. He's a dear friend of mine. We texted several times when he signed with the red wings. I am sad to not have him here. But when I look at it from constructing a roster, you look at what you went through last year without a top four left-handed shot defenseman. It was a merry-go-round. It was, it was rough times. It was rough. And you, there's, no way, there's no way you beat the Minnesota Wild if you don't go out and acquire Nick Letty. And I know the counter argument is, well, look at what David Perron did. Totally agree. Totally agree. But what you're saying then is each player was just as important to the process of winning that series. But moving forward, Nick Laddie's a lot younger, a lot like three years younger. That's a lot Mm -hmm. in pro sports. And you've locked up your D core now. Your top four, you're set. And you got Mikola. You know he signed a nice little deal. You got Bortuzzo. You still have Scandella, whether people love him, hate him, or or indifferent. He's available. He's an NHL caliber defenseman. And you have Perunovic, who is a question mark. Not sure if he can play every day yet. You have Jordan Binnington between the pipes. You had Thomas Grice backing him up. Pretty good duo. You had 920 goal scorers last year. You have 8 right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Doug Armstrong did. He said, you know, we kind of had an embarrassment of riches for 20 goal scorers. And I think Army and the Blues believe their style of game is more directed towards having a solid defense core, Mm -hmm. and especially one who can move the puck up the ice like Nick Letty can, and one who can break the puck out like Nick Letty can. So I I guess at the end of the day, it wasn't David Perron versus Nick Letty. It was we need to solidify our D core less than we need another 20-goal scorer. Well, that I mean, it
0: it makes sense. It's not what I'd like to hear, but it makes sense. And and I know there's
1: a lot of people listening right now that will be like, well, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Yeah, I don't. But if I take off again, if I take my Perron jersey off and put on my GM's cap, I see why it happened. If Doug Armstrong had five more million dollars of cap space, David Perron would be in a Blues jersey next year. Easy, but he didn't. And at the same time, who knows what the what other stuff going on behind closed doors is happening? You know, you still have Vladimir Tarasenko. Are you keeping him? or you were you were you trying to trade him? That's my next question. If Armstrong. you weren't, then like that seven point five million that. Everybody thinks, well, you just get rid of that. Well, no, you can't. It's on the cap. You owe this guy $7.5 And trade him to Calgary. He would have said no. He right. has a no-trade clause. Right, not an option. Trade him here. No, he would have said no. The only option I thought that might have been available was to the New York Islanders. But apparently they have a behind-closed-doors hush-hush handshake deal with Nazem Kadri. Because Lou Lamorello is trying to move some salary cap to fit Nazem Kadri. So if that's the case, if you're trying to trade Tarasenko there, Lou's like, not interested. Why? No reason. (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But right. I mean. So your options were limited. Yeah.
0: Boy, oh boy. So you, just you, hockey guy, Jamie Rivers. Uh Uh-oh. Game one of the 2022 St. Louis Blues season yep. is Vladimir Tarasenko in a Blues jersey. I think he absolutely is. At this point, it's just probably too late in the game well, for a big move to be made for him
1: to go. You anywhere. only move a guy like that if you're going to make your team better. What are you going to do to move him? Who, where are you moving him to make your team better? Right. That's real. Don't say, oh, Connor McDavid. Okay. Not a reality. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite honestly, Vladdy probably wouldn't take a trade to the Oilers. Right. So, when you... When you look at it, you have over a point a game guy last year. Uh, you you parted ways with David Perron, who is a big piece of your power play, a big piece of your offense. You're not going to just part ways with another guy like that. Like you, you can't. No, and you have to. You have to assume that Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, he's going to give you every bit of what he gave you last year because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Time to make that big yeah. time money, buddy. You know, people are probably looking at it going, okay. That was a hell of a year for him. Let's see if he can do it again. Boy, and if
0: he does, he's going to get paid. And it's, but
1: aid. If he does that, Donnie, look how good it helps the Blues. Look how much it helps the Blues. Another 80 point season or 82 points for Vladimir Tarasenko? That means your team's scoring, man. Right. And, you know, that means Robert Thomas has probably 80 plus points. It means Booch probably has 70 plus points because they play on a line together. Right. And you got O'Reilly and Cairo and. And Shen and Barbashev. I think Ivan Barbashev's the interesting one in all this. Yeah, is he truly a twenty-six goal scorer? I mean, I don't know. I said last year before the season started, I said he's a potential twenty goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I viewed him more as a fourteen, fifteen goal kind of guy. I know it sounds crazy. Well, five goals, it is a big difference. And then he got the twenty-six. So is his is his median at twenty? Is he a 20, 21 goal scorer, or is he potentially a 30-goal scorer? I don't think it's the latter. I don't mm-hmm. think he's a 30-goal scorer. But based on what he did last year, along with opportunity, to which he'll continue to get opportunity, he can easily get that 20-goal mark again. So, But it's interesting to, to look at it and go, is that real? Yeah. Or is that fake? Well, and then also, too, I also forget about the Jake Neighbors that's on the doorstep. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't want to go counting on that, okay? Well, no, no, you can't. No, I, I, not for you, just our listeners. Like yeah. People are like, already got him slotted in playing right wing with Ryan O'Reilly. And it's like, pump the brakes. He is a fantastic young player, and he did a good job last year. You could tell that he was a little bit out of his league at the start of the season. But don't count on that guy. It's right. gravy. If you get something out of Jake Neighbors next year that's like 10-plus goals— That's gravy. Enjoy it. Do you anticipate him being here? I think he's gonna get every shot Mm -hmm. out of training camp. It's there's a spot here for him to lose, basically. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember, you know, you got Nathan Walker on a one way contract. You got you know, Torpchenko, so that'll help Jake Neighbors too, because Torpchenko's out for the first what, two or three months. Until like December or something like that. So that'll help, it'll open up a spot, but you also have Logan Brown who's on a one-way contract for next year. Clem Costin. Clem Costin's on a one-way contract. Now, Clem Costin, I think he's got a lot of work to do. uh, But Logan Brown has done pretty much all he can in the American Hockey League. Nathan Walker, same kind of thing. He did so much in the American Hockey League, they didn't even send him back there at the end of the season last year. They are like, just go home. Right. And they still went to the Calder Cup Finals. And so when you look at the guys that they have available for these spots, there is a big competition going on. You got Noel Achari that you picked up. He's going to be in your bottom six. You have Josh Levo, who won the Calder Cup last year. He's going to be somewhere in your bottom six. So there's healthy competition there. Um, so Jake Neighbors is not an automatic. Like if if I'm going to barely play this guy, Donnie, then you're going to send him to the AHL where he can play all the time, yeah, in every situation, yeah. power play, penalty kill. You know, goalie pulled either for to get a goal or to stop a goal. He is going to play everything. So that he's playing against men, first of all. He's not playing junior hockey anymore, where the oldest kids are 20. Now the youngest kids are 20 in the American League. Right. And then you go up. And so that, that to me, is how you build um, a long-term time, like a long NHL players. You don't just, like, if they're not ready, you don't just throw them in there yeah. and say, well, let's hope for the best. And Jake Neighbors doesn't profile like Robert Thomas did. So when people, you know, when, when Army made the decision to keep Thomas around... Uh, one, he kind of had to because going back to junior would not have been effective for Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. But Robert Thomas is a more dynamic hockey player. You know, he's not going to rely upon his physical strength to produce offense or to do things. Where Jake Neighbors is more of a—I don't say Braden Shen because that is a very heavy comparison, right? But uh, I, Ivan Barbashev mm-hmm. type player. You know, where he is good along the wall, good in front of the net. We'll finish his hits. We'll get involved physically. So if that's the case, like you've got a boy amongst men now, it's a lot harder, more difficult. Absolutely.
0: I want to ask you about one name before we, uh, before we wrap up. Um, actually, two names. Uh, I don't like either one of them coming out of my mouth, but they're good. Oh, gonna, boy. Uh, obviously, uh, over the course of the last few months, we have seen a, a, a major sea change in Chicago, and they're going to go through the whole gigantic rebuild. Um, and so with that is the possibility of Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane potentially going somewhere else because I don't think either one of them are in for the full rebuild. What, how do you see that shaking out, Jamie? And then do you see, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, no, but okay. do you see them moving Seth Jones as well? Because they just signed him to that huge deal last offseason, which now seems completely stupid.
1: Okay, so let's start with Jonathan Uh Tays. He uh, openly, I I can't remember if it was The Athletic um, or another publication out of Chicago, but quoted, I'm paraphrasing, of course, here, that he was told it's a five-year plan. He has a hard time envisioning himself being a part of a five-year plan. Right. So basically saying, yeah, I don't really think I want to be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, That being said, Jonathan Tays' play has dipped. You know, he had the illness two years ago. And last year he was okay, but he's making ten point five million dollars. So the Chicago Blackhawks would probably have to eat a good portion, half minimum of half of that contract if they were to move him. If he's a, if Jonathan Taze is available for four point five or five point five million, I'd pick him up. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not here in St. Louis because I don't I don't think you need him, right? You have your center ice position taken care of. You have your leader, right? But if I was a team that you know, was building like maybe even Ottawa Senators team where you need another leader and there, a strong guy to help support a Brady Kachuk in a locker room. Maybe that's a fit. Maybe the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe like somewhere, maybe even the Toronto Maple Leafs who need another guy there. Mm-hmm. I think that he does get moved. Um, obviously, if he wants to, I think he does. And then Patrick Kane, that guy's almost as good as ever. <laughs> I mean, he's still the... The dishing magician out there, he's hard to hit. You can't, like, power play machine out there. He's also making $10.5 million. I don't know if somebody picks up that. I don't know. Well, first of all, hardly any team has, has, the it, room. has the room for it. So there would have to be some kind of a three-way deal here to where Patrick Kane is traded to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Chicago retains half of the salary. And then Arizona would then trade him to... I don't know. The L.A. Kings. Let's just say that. And Arizona eats half of the salary. So now you're paying Patrick Kane uh, like $2.5 million or $2 million. Man, which is a steal. And he's going to put up 70 to potentially, depending on where he goes, between 70 to 90 points for you. Do you see him potentially being a fit in the, on the aisle? With the Islanders, because that's one
0: I've heard kicked around a
1: lot. Yeah, um, I could. I also see the Rangers kicking the tires on that. But, again, all of these teams we're talking about are up to the cap. Yeah, they'd have to be serious salary retention from the Blackhawks as well as another team, I believe. But those two have something to offer. I would add them to my lineup. If you take the dollar value away from them, the the cap hit, I'd add them to my lineup any day of the week. Again, I don't think we needed Jonathan Tays. Uh, type guy, but if he was for free, I'd take him. I'd find, I'll find a spot for <laughs> right, him. Right, right. I just tell you, as a St. Louis sports fan,
0: seeing the Chicago Cubs struggle and the Blackhawks struggle at the same time is just something that warms the insides of my heart. <laughs> yep. It really if does. You're a Chicago <laughs> fan, right now? Are you going like, what the bleep? Oh dude, well, I mean, are you are are you unrealistically hanging your hopes on the Bears and the Bulls
1: at that point? You know what I mean? Well, Be- if the Bears go five hundred, like I'll take it. <laughs> You will be ecstatic the with barest, that 500 The new head coach and all that stuff, they're like, this is great. <laughs> we can suck. We can be half good and we're going to be awesome. Dude, it'll
0: be fine. We will just, we'll just filter in with the rest of the terrible sports that are going That's on in crazy. this town. Oh, I forgot Seth Jones. He asked me about oh, Seth yeah, Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So he signed a, that juggernaut deal, like $9.5 million a year. Nobody's taking that right now. Seth Jones did not have a great year last year. Now, I shouldn't say nobody's taking that. Somebody would take it. But again, it's a cap space thing. And I can't imagine Seth Jones wants to be in Chicago right now. Signed an eight year deal, and you know that five of those eight years are going to be miserable for you? And he's a young guy too. He is, and he's a very good defenseman. Like if, if somebody were to pick him up like a competitive team, he is going to absolutely bolster your decor. He's a top he's an all star defenseman. And they he's going to be rotting in Chicago, passing the puck to people we don't even know. Oh, man. But, I In mean, front would... of like 7,000 people.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. This just makes me laugh. Oh, makes me- me-
1: <laughs> I giggle, too. I love it. I'm like, screw you, Blackhawks. Good. Dude, I, I, I just remember
0: the very first time that I was swore at as a child by a grown-up. And that was at the old Chicago Stadium.
1: Oh, the old one. You, I, go ahead. That, I have a story about that. In a second. So
0: I don't. I don't remember the year exactly, but we had this amazing weekend where we got to see Michael Jordan's Bulls on a Saturday night wow. and see the Blues and the Hawks on a Sunday night. Again, old Chicago Stadium. So early in this particular game, Cujo goes behind the net to play a puck, and his stick gets caught in the goal. And, I mean, before we even know it, it's like three to nothing Hawks. Place (laughs) is going crazy. I'm like 11 years old, screaming my head off in the rafters for the Blues. And sure enough, I had a a Blackhawks fan, really drunk, probably in his 50s, tell me to sit down and shut the F up. And uh, I just, that sort of cemented. I mean, I already (laughs) didn't like him at that point. But when that happens, you're like, oh, yeah, screw you guys forever.
1: Yeah, that was a rough spot to play. Okay, like the United Center where they play now is beautiful. Right. I hate to say it, but it's beautiful. It's an awesome arena. Um, But the old Chicago Stadium, I don't know if I've ever told this story. I I think I have. I don't know if it was here on the fast lane, but my very first game at the Chicago Stadium, um, the locker room was downstairs. So the door opened behind the net, and then you had to walk down, I don't know, eight, ten steps to get to the locker room. The steps were like four inches deep. So when you went down, you had to, like, almost turn sideways because otherwise half your skate was, like, going to make you fall down the stairs. So I'm coming off the ice after warm-up at my very first game at Chicago Stadium, and, uh, you know, guys are still kind of shooting pucks because warm-up guys leave the ice kind of on their own time. So the guy behind the net has to, like, look, you make eye contact, you know, kind of like, hey, next time I come around here – Pop the door open. I'm going to make a nice little quick exit so that I don't get hit in the back of the head with a puck. Right. And so, you know, I make my loop, and the guy, like, chink like, opens the door, and I give a little little T-stop, little shh, just enough. And I'm like, okay, ping, bing, ping, down the first couple of steps, and then, wow, wha- I get a full glass of beer in my face. The guy, like, leaned over and was like, wha- in my face. So, natural reaction is what? You're going to fight him. Well, okay, that's... Well, so, you got to wipe the beer out of your face. But you, when you someone throws something in your face, you you like jump back or you fall back. Yeah. You're, oh, like you try and you're to on avoid those it. small stairs. I'm on those small steps, and then mm-hmm. right to the bottom, laying oh. there in uh, dirt, spit, beer, and other things, dirty. Jersey, pants, back of me, all covered. And then this guy laughing. Oh. And I'm trying to get back up. And now there's like security there. Can, you know, he did get moved. I don't, I, I doubt they kicked him out. They probably just said, dude, just go over here. <laughs> you don't know? let him see you anymore. Hey, nice throw, by the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that was my first experience. And guys are like, tough one, eh, kid? <laughs> like, yeah,
0: it's tough. If there's one thing that I can remember about that place, and again, it's been a long time, I just remember it literally, legitimately, Feeling dirty, like like I mean, it was just very old, and so that's really all that it was. But man, it just, I remember going to the bathroom, going, Ugh. Like, oh, like, and great-y. I was used to the arena for God's sake. So it's that's not
1: like point. I was on a very high level of sports. It's not like you are used to point. a Rolls Royce. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, the very first, I, I used to think, why does everybody get so you know, um, impressed by the national anthem here? Like, you know, oh my God, so. First game again, same day, different time, of course. We're standing there, and the national anthem starts to play, and everybody gets up and they all start cheering. That's the thing. Yeah. It was so loud. Every hair on my body stood up, and then asbestos started falling from the ceiling, <laughs> crumbling. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> I've been put into the pit. The Roman Colosseum. They want my blood. Who, who is? Where's the lion? The, the
0: asbestos snow. Yeah, <laughs> to just, just fall of... down. and are
1: like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> no, it isn't.
0: <laughs> no, no, it isn't. No, it's not. Well, uh, hopefully, the next time that we can we, we can re, re the next time we reconvene at the last go. minute blues podcast. Five like uh, Yes, I would. A couple, please. Hopefully, we will have Jeff Burton joining us. That is our hope.
1: Looking forward to it, man. Absolutely.
0: For Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, it is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Let's go blues.
1: The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear
0: more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals.
1: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.